0: Our guest today comes to us courtesy of our friends at PodMatch. PodMatch automatically matches ideal podcast hosts and guests for interviews. We recently signed up for PodMatch and we've had instant success in matching with guests for our show, including today's guest. Check out the PodMatch link in our show notes or here on the show page to learn more. Heidi Johnson found herself in a period of grief after a tragic event took a loved one from her life. But in that moment, in the moments that followed, good surfaced. And since then, she started a nonprofit that helps support families in need at Children's Hospital of Los Angeles and another organization that teaches leadership to middle and high school students, all while leading her own podcast and blog efforts through Charity Matters. Y'all want some positivity in your day? You're about to get it on this episode of Pick Up the Six Podcast. Heidi Johnson joins the show. Heidi, how are you?
1: I'm great. Thanks, Brian, for having me. It's so great to be here.
0: Absolutely thrilled as to how this comes about. Your profile came across thanks to our friends at Podmatch, and I saw all this great work that you're doing of putting the service before yourself, really impacting your community. I said, we got to have a chat with Heidi, so I'm just thrilled to do it. It's good to see you today.
1: Well, it's great to be here, and, and I just love what you're doing, and service before self is that's just what makes the world go around, right? So, right. bravo to you for for bringing these conversations to the forefront.
0: You said before we hit record, you can't lead unless you serve, and I want to I want to lean in on that throughout the course of this episode. But let's get to know you a little bit. Where where are you? What's Heidi Johnson? Up
1: I am in Pasadena, California, home of the Rose Bowl. Yeah. So I am. You could spit from where I am to the Rose Bowl. So yes, I am in in beautiful sunny Pasadena, California.
0: Have you always been out in
1: that area? Always. I live a mile from where I was born, a mile really? from where I went to school. My family's been here since 1918. So um, wow. my life has taken me many places, but my roots are, are strong and deep here.
0: I've attended one Rose Bowl in my life uh, and went out and covered the game. 2008, University of Illinois played USC, all my mater. Fight
1: mama. on fight yeah, on. Yeah. You
0: smoked me a <laughs> day. My wife and I were covering the university of Illinois for a TV station in central Illinois. And uh, somehow we convinced the TV station to send both of us to Pasadena for the week to cover the game. So we did all the stuff around the game, right? Lowry's beef bowl, all oh, that good stuff. Yeah.
1: Isn't it fun? Yeah,
0: it was great. It was great. It's, and then we got to it, go to the game. It was amazing.
1: It's a fun experience. It's, I mean, besides living in New York city for new years, Pasadena is a really fun place to be.
0: It was cool. We were up early on New Year's Day. Went out to the Tournament yeah. of Roses. Got to see all of that, which was really incredible. Cover the game. It was. It was a great, great experience for sure. Did live shots outside the stadium. It was really pretty fun.
1: Yeah, it's a, it's a fun thing. I walk around the Rose Bowl for my little workout every day, and it's, Beautiful. it's, it's just part of our city. It's a great thing.
0: Service driven, uh, something two words that describe you. Uh, we're going to talk about a few different things you've done, and kind of the focus in this service space in the nonprofit space. Around starting, around finding leaders, and around mentoring, but service in your life, uh, giving back, right, being involved in the nonprofit space, always kind of been there.
1: Always been there. I think I've been really fortunate to have incredible. Um, come from an incredible family that it's just part of our DNA. It's what we do. It's what generations of our family has done. My grandmother, wow. my parents. Um, I've just grown up um, volunteering my entire life. But I think that there's, um, there's a moment or an intersection where sometimes giving service, doing, um, isn't, it, it for me, it was like brushing my teeth in my youth. It was just like what I did. Mm-hmm. I, I just did it because that's what you do. It didn't kind of have an intersection with purpose until later in my life. And, and that's when service took on a whole different meaning for me, a whole deeper, richer context.
0: What, what was there a pivotal moment that defined there, that or did it? there did was it to that? What happened?
1: There was, and it's interesting, um, the pivotal moment, and I'll get back to pivotal moments, but my pivotal moment um, was a phone call. I was 35 years old. It was the middle of the night. Those phone calls you hear about, you don't want to answer. Um, it was one of those. My parents were on vacation with their best friends in Mexico. It was four couples um, on vacation and they were hit by a bus. And every couple lost a spouse. Um, three dead and one brain damaged. My mother was killed instantly. My father was in a coma. My parents' best friends were dead. Um, my world just turned upside down in a in a second. I mean, just in a, in yeah. a second. And I had three little boys. I had a, a baby and two two little ones, like five and four. And um, and everything just really um, it just changed and life becomes very different you know after loss and what what's important becomes very clear and i was really lucky that a year after that accident um i was given an opportunity to serve which really saved me and healed my grief and that was starting a nonprofit i yeah. mean is ultimately what what happened
0: so in those in those pivotal moments and that obviously uh, a huge catalyst for you. And, and you're right. In that moment of loss, you kind of look around and you think like these things can be taken away in an instant. What do I want to do with the, with the rest of time? Is that right. kind of, were those the internal conversations? Were those yeah. the, the late night conversations with yourself after that moment?
1: You know, I think, um, I think, People can confuse grief with pity, and I think that they're not the same, but they feel mm. the same. Mm. It feels like you're feeling sorry for yourself, even though it really—that's not really what grief is. But at the time, I think you think that that's what it is. And every time you serve, you—you you don't think about yourself; you think about the other person. So when you're in this place of grief, the only place that I found um, consolation was in when I was serving other people. And, and I ended up having an opportunity, um, I mean, call it divine intervention, call it God, call it whatever you believe in, mm-hmm. um, call it my mother, you know, pulling strings from above. Uh, I, I, I think it's all of, the, all of those things. But um, about a year after my parents' accident, almost to the day, and my parents' accident, um, I have to say my father was in a coma for almost a month mm-hmm. um, and my mom had died. And my dad came home after their accident on Thanksgiving Day in 2002. And um, in November 2003, I got a phone call from a friend who is a Catholic priest, um, really cute guy, went to high school with my husband, a fun guy. And uh, he's like, Heidi, I need you to come down to Children's Hospital Los Angeles and mm-hmm. and and bring some friends. I, I, I need help. And I said, what do you need help with? And he said, I'm the only chaplain here. He said, I work here nine to five Monday through Friday. I greet the helicopter with accidents. I do blessings before surgery. I do last rites. I do everything. And then I go work in my church on the weekends and nights. And he said, and we have 300,000 kids coming through here every year. And I can't do this alone. And I said, well, what, what do you want from me, John? And he's like, we need more chaplains and they don't need to just be Catholic priests. There's a lot of religions that are represented here. And I think we need to start a nonprofit to bring chaplains of all faiths to Children's Hospital. Mm -hmm. I said, well, I I don't know how to do that. He's like, just come down and bring friends. And so I said, I have nothing. I'm on empty because I've been grieving, right? I've got nothing. And he's like, please. And so I said, all right. So down we went. The 10 of us were in the hospital and this two are and we see this woman running toward Father John. I mean, like she sees George Clooney, and again, he's cute, sure, but I mean, he's he's kind of got a Thornbirds kind of hot priest sort of thing going on for him. And she's running with her son in the wheelchair. Father John, Father John, and he's like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa, whoa! These are my friends. Hey, calm down." And she says, "I have some great news." And and uh, she says, "She says, well, what, what? Who are these people?" And he says, "Well, they're trying to help me." And she's like, "Do you know what?" father john did for me Mm -hmm. and she tells us her story she's a single mom and just moved to la and um a month before her son had been run over in carpool line and a drop off and was in wasn't supposed to live and they were hella back to children's hospital father john greeted her at the helicopter and sat with her for eight hours of surgery and gave her hope and gave her faith that he was going to pull through which he did but he came every single day for that entire month and was her only emotional spiritual lifeline to just get her through. And she looks at all of us in that hospital hall and she says, father Johnny's going home. He's going home on Thanksgiving day. And in that moment, the lightning bolt, the chills, mm-hmm. even telling the story today, every yeah. hair stands up on my back. Um, I was called for whatever reason to serve. Incredible. That was the moment.
0: Yeah. It's a, uh... We define coincidence on this program as God intervening and choosing to remain anonymous about the outcome, right? Having a hand yeah. in that. So with that, the spiritual care guild is born, providing 24-7 chaplain support at Children's Hospital of Los Angeles. A friendship Correct. then becomes that. An, and you know, likely, you know, he had known what you had been through and, and moments prepare you for what the next moment or next what the next ask or request will be. And, and having been right. through your own. Grief. Now you can help organize others who can who can simply just listen. Sometimes,
1: absolutely, and 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 really, it, it gave purpose to my loss. Mm. Um, not that you necessarily need purpose, but it, in my own mind, it became if thousands, tens of thousands, now even maybe hundreds of thousands of families yeah. have now have a chaplain by their bedside at the hardest moments of their life because of something happened to my mother. In my mind, it gives such. Um, peace to me, yeah. knowing that something really beautiful came from this loss, a really beautiful legacy. And we now have a $10 million interfaith center. We have chaplains of religions. I don't even know what they are. We have over 30 chaplains, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. The staff are part of the medical team. So our, the chaplains are part of the medical team. So they do rounds with the doctors And we are now a national template of pediatric chaplaincy, meaning children's hospitals all over the country follow our model to try to do what we've done. So um, I'm incredibly proud of, of, of that work. And yeah, it had a, a sad little beginning maybe, but Mm -hmm. it's such beautiful work that happens every day in that hospital and what the chaplains do for these families um, and these kids. It's, it's magical. Well, you got
0: to think about like, you know, the myriad of reasons why someone might end up in a hospital in need of, of care. But when it's something like that happening to your kid, too, it's just there's just such an incredible level of vulnerability and self-doubt as parents are having to go through what is the hardest thing as a parent to have to deal with, which is something happening to to your kid uh, and to Absolutely. be able to provide a service where there's always someone that's able to speak to them. What an incredible gift. It's amazing. It's It's it's
1: really been great. And the other thing that the the chaplains do is the chaplains help the staff. So -hmm. the staff can keep serving and giving because the staff give all day. And so our chaplains now they have like a tea for the soul and they wheel a little cart with um, cookies and tea and Mm -hmm. they just will be there for like an hour to debrief um, when doctors and nurses are having a hard day and supporting them. So there's just so many levels of, of, um, of what spiritual care has been able to do at CHLA. It's really, it's really a good thing.
0: Hey, before we keep the conversation going, tell our folks where they can go to learn a little bit more about this as a nonprofit. I'm assuming that every dollar you can get in the door only helps so take every a little more give, give, give a little, pub, give a little promo. you can go
1: to spiritualcareguild.org and um, and we have an angels in action campaign happening right now to to help provide chaplains at CHLA so um, children's hospital los angeles is a really special organization and i'm i'm proud to now be a trustee there after serving them for 20 years and uh, and we take care of hundreds of thousands of yeah. the sickest children in, in the country. And so, hey,
0: so you guys are just at CHLA though, right? Have you, we're just at have CHLA. We, do have our, else,
1: we could, if we wanted to, but, um, life took me on other, on a different path after that. And, mm-hmm. um, and I let my baby stay there and other people run with it because if you love something, you really need to kind of Sometimes walk away. Mm-hmm. Um, and I knew it was the best thing for spiritual care. I'm as I said, I'm still on the advisory board of the hospital, yep. spiritual care. I'm still a trustee at the hospital. I'm still involved, but I don't run it day to day. I run a different nonprofit and
0: mm-hmm.
1: and I started some other things along the way. So um that was just chapter Very one cool. of my service yeah. story. Yeah, yeah,
0: it's sort of what it kind of what gets you propelled into this space, right? We're gonna talk about that other Correct. nonprofit because it's doing some incredible mentoring. But as you're building this first one, as you're starting off with this, you then realize, I, I want to find some other leaders that are in the space. And that becomes the birth of Charity matter. So tell us a little bit about that effort, because that that to me sounds really neat, a way to interview nonprofits. I've been in that space for over 10 years now as well. And you just get to meet some incredible people. So how does that thing kind of come to be? Just
1: the greatest people. Um, I think really, you know, I think it's humans, we always want to find our tribe. We always want mm. to find our people. I think we're always in search of our people. But after starting spiritual care, um, I realized how hard this work is, how hard nonprofit work is. I mean, service is hard in general, right? But it's, it's the most rewarding work you'll ever do in your life, but it's, it's hard. And, um, and so I was like, who are these people that start nonprofits. And so I started just kind of looking into it and I realized there's 1.6 million nonprofits in the United States and we have over 50,000 in Los Angeles. And I was like, who are these people that have started them? And at the time, over 10 years ago, there wasn't CNN Heroes Among Us. There wasn't People Magazine. Um, None of those things existed. Um, And I didn't know you, Brian, unfortunately, because you and I were probably around the same time in our journey looking for Mm. these people. Because the world, at the end of the day, people are good. And unfortunately, our media doesn't tell us that. Yeah. And and I and you and people like us are trying to get flip the script and let people know how much goodness is happening around us every single day. So I went in search of my people with Charity Matters and I started a blog. I wrote a television show first um, and... And my husband's like, okay. Because, well, you live in God.
0: LA. Like, that's what you do. Yeah, right? I live in LA.
1: It's kind of what you do, right? right? And believe it or not, CBS did buy it and we are in development. So Beautiful. that's, but that's, it's a whole other, that's a whole other story. Okay. Um, so we, I Is wrote the television show. Is it reality show, show
0: or, or like an actual episodic It's, a re- show?
1: It's, re- it's, well,
0: we're, re- ad-
1: it to- we, we developed the show pre-COVID and okay. we were ready to shoot the pilot and um, right around before COVID and then covid hit and then we stopped everything and then we re- the world changed and we've reformulated reformulated sure things sure. a little bit yeah. the world's changed and so we've changed it a little bit so um it is reality because it's real but it's i hate to say reality because reality gets such a cheesy sure. bad name sure. I gotcha. so it's not really that
0: um but i was gonna say, I mean, matters I can- I can sing, dance, cry on cue. If there's anything, okay, all right,
1: the- okay. Well, I, there, there's definitely, and I'll tell you offline a little bit more sure. about it. Um, so basically, I started, I wrote the show, and then um, I said, I think I'm going to do this blog and see yeah. if I really and um, can, if I'm really interested in this week after week. If this is something. And I became obsessed. The more people I met, the more passionate I became. And so I interviewed them for, um, well, I still do every week. You know, I've been interviewing people. And then ultimately, oh, I, have started so the ma- pod- I have
0: so many for you.
1: Oh, I can't wait. I have so many. Send for them. I listened to your first. I listened Maggie to Maggie.
0: Kane, I listened Lu- to Maggie. Christy Lucas, Dean okay. Ogan, uh, you got to talk to Jeannie Hoffman at Gigi's playhouse. They oh my gosh. Okay. You're going to give I them all to me so offline. I listened
1: questions. to Maggie and I was going to ask you about Maggie. Cause I, yes. that was a podcast of yours. I did listen to, and I She's loved her and love that of
0: energy. She's the best. Oh my
1: gosh. Yep. Love.
0: Yep. Um,
1: yep. So I started interviewing them and, and then I realized with um, COVID, I was like, you know, I should really do a podcast because mm-hmm. I've been having these conversations and recording them for 10 years, but I haven't shared them with a, I share them in a written format, yeah. but I don't but share you were, them. You
0: were recording them as you, as you yeah. transcribed them for yeah, you have right. all this content.
1: Right. So, yeah. so I um so I started uh, the podcast um, during COVID and uh, we're on season three and it's been It's been great, but I am just determined to be like you, um, a messenger of service. I Mm. want the world to know that people are good. I want to know that everything, everything is better when you serve, your life is better. Your relationships are better. Your joy, your gratitude. I mean, everything is Mm. better.
0: Tell us a few episodes you should be on the lookout for. And I know you've got, I mean, three seasons, right? So
1: I had a phenomenal conversation and I know you probably have this happen too, because you meet phenomenal people all the time, but some kind of haunt you and just, mm. you can't yep. shake them at the end of the day. I had one with this phenomenal um, gentleman named Kevin Adler and this nonprofit's called miracle messages. He reunites, he, he reunites and connects homeless people with their families and not only does he reunite them, if, they're, if they don't want to be reunited or there isn't, that's not going to happen. He creates a phone buddy system. So you can have a homeless person
0: mm-hmm.
1: that you talk to on the phone once a week. And you can be Betty in Iowa and be talking mm-hmm. to a homeless person in Florida or in Los Angeles or in San Francisco right now um, and check in. Because what he realized is that, he had GoPro cameras that he put on, he, he talks to most homeless people and followed them around with GoPro Go cameras to live, to see what it's like living as a homeless yeah. person for 10 yeah, days. give
0: you a little perspective.
1: Right. And one of the things that one of the um, gentlemen said was, I wasn't homeless when I lost my house. I wasn't homeless when I lost my job. I was homeless when I lost my friends and family. Mm. And he realized that if, if we can build a social inf- infrastructure around people then that social infrastructure makes them ready for a home. So he, um, so he has he either 50% get reunited with their family and he does video messages and he connects them. And the other 50% that don't, he can assign them a phone buddy. The phone buddies, you check in once a week. And what happens if Betty from Iowa is talking to Steve in San Francisco and Betty says, you know what? Steve, I have a friend who's visiting San Francisco and she's going to bring cookies to you. She wants to come bring cookies. Great. So Steve starts talking to Betty's friend. Well, then Betty's friend says, you know what? I have a friend here who lives in San Francisco and he has a, you know, job and he needs whatever. Mm -hmm. Before you know it, Betty has built some with her friends, a structure around, around Steve in San Francisco. Well then Betty can say after six months of talking to Steve religiously every week, she can say to Miracle Messages, you know what? I think Steve's ready for for some financial support and housing. And they have like a 90% success rate. Once they get Steve, they give him funds. He can do whatever he wants with them. Sure, sure. He, he can he can go buy drugs if he wants so He can do whatever he wants with them. But what Steve does, Steve gives money back to Miracle Messages.
0: Yep.
1: He donates back. Yep. He gets housing. He gets a job. And he now has... Betty and all Betty's people that are supporting him, that he feels like he has family and he's rebuilding from his, his mental inside. It's not about taking a handout. It's beautiful work.
0: It's, it's creating, honestly, what are pretty little moments that combine together, create big moments of momentum. And it's connecting people to something bigger than themselves. It's reminding us that if we take ourselves out of the center of the universe, which we are not right Uh, We're part of something bigger. Like my friend, Justin, we had him on a couple weeks ago. He literally runs trails almost every day and he just cleans them up. He just picks up trash, right? He picks up trash while he's running trails around his neighborhood where he lives, but he takes pictures of it. He puts on Instagram. Other people see it. I started doing it because I'm like, man, Justin's, he's probably picking up trash today. I have my daughter at the park yesterday. I'm like, let's grab some trash while we're out here. We got hand wipes in the car. We'll be fine. And all of that starts. So then maybe somebody else does it. He's like, I got all these people now who are Instagramming me pictures, tagging me. I've never met them before. This is what he told me because they're doing it too. And so maybe you make that phone call, right? And then your friend does, or you hand that sandwich out and somebody sees you do it. And you just create a little bit of a spark for something else that can be something huge.
1: Right. And it's it's just it's so beautiful, and I I have to say I love the conversations because um, I've interviewed a lot of homeless nonprofits over yeah. the years, and I'd never looked at homelessness that way. And he has, and Kevin's the t-shirts they have for everybody who works at Miracle Message is everyone, everybody is somebody, someone is yeah. someone, somebody. Yeah. You know, and so you see that person, you think that's someone's son, that's someone's yeah, brother, that's, that's someone's right. child. Yep. So, um, conversations like that, uh, just inspire me, they sure inspire do. me.
0: The name of it is charity matters, right? Tell us where we can find that. Yes.
1: So charity matters. You can go to, um, charity dash matters.com. The person who owns that domain is holding Won't it, give it up without the dash. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. And yeah. I'm just not going to pay the extortionist. So charity matters.com, uh, And to our website, to to subscribe to our blog. Um, Also to get the weekly, to get the podcast that comes weekly. You can also go to Apple podcast or anywhere you get your podcast to find charity matters podcast.
0: So everybody thought John Krasinski was breaking new ground during the pandemic, Jim from the office with the, some good news. I'm like, no, man, we're already out. We've been out here. here. Heidi's out there doing it. We're here. (laughs) We're We're here.
1: I know we're here, but I think the more of us keep doing it and the more people that that um, that I'm not saying follow us, but that show there's an audience for goodness. Uh, I'm not saying you have to subscribe to charity matters or subscribe to pick up six, which you should, I mean, by the way, you should
0: do both of those things. Yeah, you
1: should, but, but the more people that do it, it, it will, it then creates that positive spiral yeah. that you and I are trying to create with these conversations. That's right. All
0: right. So you started one, you've, found and learn more about other ones. And now you've got a nonprofit that's centered around mentoring, which I think is really neat. So sort of third prong of this thing. And that's called tax, right? And the executive task. Director of that. Yeah. TACS.
1: It's called task. It's, TASC, a, it's yeah. a horrible acronym, it's okay. but um, it's called task. And we are a youth leadership organization. And um, we have been teaching leadership for 40 years. It was started by, you've noticed the Catholic theme in my thing started by a nun and, and, uh, And basically to promote what they thought were the only leaders once upon a time Mm -hmm. um, in the Catholic church, they thought it was priests or nuns were the only leaders. And then they thought, Oh gosh, we're not going to have a lot of those. So maybe if we get this newfangled thing called student council in our Catholic schools, we'll have six leaders in every school. And so for 30 years, um, task, the association of Catholic student councils Mm -hmm. was promoting student council leadership in, um, in middle schools. And then when I was, Tasked, pun intended, um, to take Nailed over it. the <laughs> roles as executive director. Um, the question we kind of began asking ourselves as an organization is: Are there really only six leaders in a school no. of a middle school? No. no. Does everybody have leadership potential? A hundred percent. And is it a muscle that needs to be worked out, just like going to the gym? Yes. Like any skill set you have, it has to be developed. And does everyone have the possibility? Absolutely. And so we kind of reframed the organization became more task and we kind of got away Mm -hmm. from that long name because why we do support student council, we really are creating youth leaders and we kind of break leadership down into four pillars, um, at task. And the reason I took the job is, is the fourth pillar, which you mentioned earlier, but I'll I'll start in the order. The first thing we, we tell all of our leaders is they have to have a plan, a goal, a dream, a vision, an idea, we call it being a real world strategic planner, but it's having a goal. Mm-hmm. You know, what do you want to do? The second thing is you have to communicate it in small groups, in large. It's not just public speaking. It's convincing your peers. It's working, you know, consensus. It's working, whatever it is, even just your family. And you want to go on vacation or whatever it is. You've got to get everyone to come with you, right? And, and create that communication, those communication skills. So you spend a lot of time on that. The third thing is you have to be a lifelong mentor and when you tell a 6th seventh or 8th grader that someone looks up to them yeah. they just stop they wait what when you when you flip it around they know who they look up to mm-hmm. but when you say how is your behavior influencing the person who who looks up to you it's really powerful and because we're a peer to peer organization meaning our college kids teach our high school kids leadership And our high school kids teach our middle school kids leadership. We serve about 3000 kids a year and we have two and a half employees. (laughs) Wow. Uh Uh-huh. Because we're a waterfall, right? We just, we, we train the trainers and they keep, and it's more effective.
0: I love it. What I, you are speaking my language. You lead by providing some principles and then getting the heck out of the way.
1: And, and out of. If they don't want to hear from me they want to they want yeah. to be taught in TikTok tock and youtube mm-hmm. and candy and and you know and when people say oh it's catholic i'm no it's like taylor swift and candles like we meet them where they are yep. it's not hail mary it's not dogma sure. um sorry archbishop gomez sorry for all the catholics listening but but you have to to let kids find God themselves, goodness, sure. where they are, totally, and 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 that's not necessarily on a pew on their knees, right? Um, and then the last thing and the most important thing and the reason I really took the job was um, our fourth our fourth pillar about becoming a servant leader that you cannot lead unless you serve, that's and right. teaching and planting the seeds of compassion um, and service and three thousand kids a year is is an absolute privilege. Um, for me and to inspire others um, to serve is really great. So we partner with great nonprofits and we have nonprofits that are started by kids to inspire mm-hmm. our own kids. We teach our kids about um, magis, the Latin word for more, trying to find their more, trying to find their calling and their, their service, what calls them to serve. Um, and so out of it, I mean, a lot of our handful of our kids have started nonprofits
0: Yeah. I just wrote down okay. another I just wrote down another one you got an interview note in the pocket remember that one I'm going to send you that Oh one
1: okay okay oh I'm so excited okay, So this what is, are I, I you just gave way, me season 4 Brian thanks for that Season
0: 4 is booking up quick everybody <laughs> if you've been on the show and you're listening and you're in my problem. there's a good chance I'm sending you Heidi's way I love the four pillars I love the servant leadership at the end you know I'm a part of this organization called F3 which is around fitness fellowship and faith and it's a men's fitness organization but it's really a leadership group and we masquerade as a fitness group but I in like there, that. our leadership principles are very similar and they are, you have to provide a vision, right? You have to provide as a leader, you have to provide a vision, right? What, what, what 100%. do you want to say? You have to articulate it. You have to be able to speak about what it is. You have to persuade at times to get people moving. You've got to persuade the movement, right. then you empower your people to be able to go out, exhort, empower them to be able to go out and do things. There's so much similarity that's tied in here. And as the uh, eighth grade class president at St. Mary's elementary school, Catholic school in hey, Baltimore, hey, Ohio, hey. right? I'm all about- <laughs> what um what uh, it might seem obvious what challenges are these young folks faced with today that oh, might be different God. from 20 15 oh, 20
1: years ago it breaks my heart it just breaks my heart um you know i think obviously social media is um is the devil. I think in so many ways, it's just, it's so evil for these kids. It's so hard for them. You know, when our day, when we didn't get invited to a party or a slumber party, we didn't know about it until yeah. after the fact it wasn't in our face. We weren't looking at being excluded. Um, there's just so many things that are so hard about, about all of that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think our kids being isolated the last few years, it was really interesting last year we had California where I live has obviously been the most locked down state. We're still in a state of emergency. I I don't quite understand that, but we are Um, we're not going to go there. And, uh, and, um, and so as a result, our kids have been really um, isolated, Mm -hmm. you know, longer than a lot of the other kids uh, in the country. And so last summer we had camp in person it was miraculous for California oh, I bet. I bet that we had an in person yeah. overnight camp and these kids got together and they hadn't, they don't know each other necessarily. They got, got all different schools, but they didn't know how to communicate. They didn't even know how to be. Yeah. They didn't know how to be together just next to someone. They didn't know how to look at someone. They didn't know how to be without a mask. I mean, it was just, um, it was surreal. And mm-hmm. yet there was a hunger. There was a hunger for connection that I have never seen and there was a joy a palpable joy that was just filled my heart in the biggest way and seeing them um, after spending a week together and what just being in the presence of other people in a positive joyful place learning about their gifts and how to give them away and connecting and being validated and being told how great they are by their peers that are older and their same age it just, it shifted them, but yeah. what showed up and what left was very different. And when the kids that showed up, i mean, broken is kind of the only word that I can. And these are, these are, these are wonderful, nice kids, but yeah. they're, they're all, doesn't matter what socioeconomic group you were from. Cause we, we cover all, we're like a third, a third, a third. So we're kind of like, we've got the mom and dads that write the check that you know, live in the great neighborhoods. We have the middle of the world kids and we have some kids that need that need help and scholarship to attend. And didn't matter. didn't matter where you were financially. They were equally broken.
0: Yeah. I think it's given, my hope is that it's given all of us a chance to take a pause and do a bit of an assessment and an evaluation as to how we're showing up in relationship, right? Like how are we showing Amen. up and coming to the table in relationship? I think there are three, I'd love to get your thoughts on this. I think there are three keys to having strong personal connections through relationship. I think one of them is proximity. Like you have to be able to be in and around other people. We're able to leverage this technology through Zoom to have a really cool, impactful conversation. And it's been very deep, but still being able to do that in person would be the ideal way to do it. We just can't do right. that. All, right? Night and day, right. All so time. much better. But that proximity is important. Having purpose behind it, right? So what are we actually doing here? I think is incredibly important. And then just being right. periodic, like there's got to be some consistency to it. So the fact that you're able to, to kind of break that for them and get them there in that moment, that's a big first step. And you're right. The last two years have provided challenge and you've got to take a pause as adults, right? Quote unquote, the adult right. room and think about like, what has it done for some of these kids? And, it's, and it's, has that prox- what's that proximity doing to them? The lack of It's
1: right. Well, so we, and I'm going to, I'm going to send these to you offline, um, but we partnered with a wonderful nonprofit um, last year called the kindness campaign. They're mm-hmm. out of Austin, Texas, and they do mental health for middle school kids. And um, what we did this year, we, we do um, student leadership days. So it's like a, a field trip of a day of camp where our um, college and high school kids come to a high school and all the middle school kids get invited to this high school for like a day of camp and um what the kids did is they went through the kind music program and they had and there was a lot of curriculum around this but when our days broken into three segments Mm -hmm. they wrote they their job was to write a song they formed a band the group had to form a band um and they had to have a band name and a cover their album cover name and then they had to they were given prompts kind of about COVID, but about the last two years and to put together some thoughts on, it was really a socio-emotional mental health check, sure. right? Like yeah. where you are, but they were just putting the lyrics down, right. but just let's get it out. But there was a fun way in which they had to do it. And then we gave the actual lyrics, just all these words to the kindness campaign. They hired out of um, work musicians and gave us back produced songs. Real songs that are on Spotify right now. Mm-hmm. You can go to kind music and hear these songs. And there's two songs um, that one's called um, back to the movies. And one is called rolling thunder that just are so phenomenal. I can't even tell you, I'm going to send them both to you. Yeah, please. And, um, and you hear the lyrics about what these kids have gone through to answer your question a very long way. It tells you everything. Yeah it tells you everything. This, this take me back to the movies. It's like, you know, take me back to a time where um, I can go to the movies, take me back where I get to be outside, take me back to my friends, you know, take me back to life. And these are things that these kids are saying in their sixth, seventh and eighth graders. I mean, that's, those are things you and I never Mm -hmm. in our lifetime ever had to say.
0: Yeah. Yep. I'll tell you what guys, this has been, man, Heidi, I'm so grateful for you. Uh, I'm grateful that we were, connected this way to be able to have just such a neat, deep, purposeful conversation. It makes me think about, you know, we've got roads and airplanes and trucks and supplies, even with supply chain nonsense, whatever, are delivered around our country. You got all these things, right, that make, keep our country working, keep the lights working. I would tell you that the soul of America is strong because of the kinds of stories you're sharing today, right? Because of people that step into the nonprofit service space that, that don't ever intend to see or make a dime off of the incredible work that they do. But faith without works is dead. And we have to be willing to step up and and do things. And I'm just given a breath of fresh air every time we get to have a conversation like this, or when we do with Maggie at a place at the table or my friend Jeannie Hoffman over at Gigi's playoffs, who we haven't had on yet. We got to have, and you should as well, because you're reminded about just the goodness of the human spirit. And and for the purpose of today's conversation, the goodness of the American heart. And what folks across our country are willing to do for other people.
1: And that's what this country is founded on. We were founded on, we came here and we helped each other from the very beginning. And that is in our American DNA. Mm. Doesn't matter what side of the political aisle you are on. We are all helpers. We innately check in on our neighbors. We take care of our communities. We help one another. I mean, Americans and, and people in general are good. Americans are good people regardless of what you see on TV is not literally listen to listen to this podcast listen, listen to us, others.
0: you're exactly right you're right yep.
1: people are good yes, people right. are good and i know everyone listening is good too and doing good and beautiful work
0: she's heidi johnson uh, her podcast and blog is called charity matters season 3 is where they're at, at this point but we've already spitballed about six or seven ideas for season 4 So you've got more content coming your way. Guys, go check her out. She's putting goodness out into the world. This lady right here knows a thing or two about service before self, strength of purpose, and community impact. So check in all three of those Pick Up the Six boxes. Grateful for our conversation today.
1: Thank you, Brian. So am I.
0: She's Heidi Johnson. I'm Brian Jodis. That's been this episode of Pick Up the Six podcast.